Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hey everybody, welcome to Slam Fire Rep. Ep- Slam Fire Rep. Hey everybody, welcome to Slam Fire Rep. We're just going to episode. 476. It's my day. I cannot oh, talk all day. Oh, something today. radio. Something, yeah. something Slip radio. radio. Yep. Episode 476. Do you know what it is? It's October 6, 2022. I'm your one of your hosts, Kelly, who cannot talk. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel, who can talk for now. I know. It's awesome. I heard you. <laughs> talk. It's your it's your turn now, Dave. Is it? Cool. Yeah. You random don't have the show notes. Hi, everybody. I do have the show notes, but I'm yeah. like at the bottom. I'm under Kyle on the <laughs> show description. I don't know. Yeah. No. And yeah. I'm, I'm at the bottom. Okay. Mm, anyways, <laughs> I'm Kyle and I can sometimes talk. Oh, it's at the top. Oh, there it is. Host yes. rotation. Okay. Yes. Hey, everybody. There you go. Well, that was just gonna, a shit show. That's a, that's a straight <laughs> intro. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna God. I'm gonna go get my ratchet and get the wheels back on We've the bus. We've only be been doing it 476 times. We should be able to get it right one of these days. One day. We will do well, a perfect show. Every show is perfect. It's perfectly imperfect. Well, that's it's become our that's become our tagline. We're perfectly like a hot perfect. mess. Uh, why don't we talk about what we did in guns this week? Adriel, you're up. <clears throat> uh, hunting. Did you? I, I went. I went hunting. Yeah. What'd you get? Got some grouse, which was what I was after. Lovely. Took the old uh, twenty-two out and uh, shot some grouse in the face. Nice. Yep. Uh, this time, I think I could have gotten one more grouse if I took a shotgun, but I got enough just with the twenty-two, and it's nice and quiet. And uh, yeah. That's good. Uh, gave the tent trailer a little quick run through, and uh, it was great. Saw some Starlink satellites. There's a whole line of them, right from one, from one horizon all the way to the other, like coming over top. Uh, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, that was great. I, wonder, time. I wondered how that was linked to went hunting, like mm. you're hunting satellites. <laughs> not this time. Not this time. No, but uh, weather was great considering like October, like start of October. The weather was pretty fantastic so uh yeah we saw some deer saw some grouse i oh just on my way out there i was like oh, i'm gonna stop at cabela's buddy of mine needed some hunting licenses and i saw that they had the cabela's uh emax pros for 35 bucks oh wow and that's pretty cheap i had previously gotten their emax not pros and uh these are their old style ones yep these ones have a dial to turn them on, and uh, if you forget it on, they just die. Yeah, uh, because those you know, are like they don't... the old Caldwells. 
Yeah, yeah. They don't have any auto. They don't have an auto off or anything like that. So they just kill batteries, uh, just like the walkers do, because they're uh, crappily designed. Mm-hmm. Um, but these have an auto off, which every elect- bit of electronics should have in uh, 2022. Yeah. Um, I would say that there's some advantages, disadvantages to these. Advantage the auto off very much. Uh, they pack down like a lot better than those Emacs ones do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that some disadvantages, the the microphones and electronics on them are obviously not, not very good. Great. No, yeah. no, not but like five bucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm comparing them against like a two hundred dollar set, so they're not as good as those. I compare them against the Howard lights, they're not as good. But the All Howard right. lights these days are 70, 80 bucks. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think primarily the problem see the microphone? Oh. Kind of in a silly location, Where, right? Yeah. Yeah. One one mic or two? Two. It's it's it is oh, stereo, really? so it's got oh. both sides. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Uh you can see that it's on right now. It's got like these buttons are not very clicky, not very tactile. Uh you can just turn it on accidentally. Which <laughs> now I've turned it off. Um so the electronics aren't aren't that great. The mics aren't in a great spot, but it's 35 bucks. Um my guest uh emoffs used to be the uh walker razors, but they, they keep leaving them on and killing the stupid batteries on them. Hmm. No such with these. And the cups, I, I do like the cups on these ones aren't that bad. Like they're they're not super cushy, but they're cushy enough and they're deep enough that uh they're okay. comfortable for people yeah. to use and very compact. Oh stupid flat. Look Why at this square. Look, look at the top of this thing. Look at that. How is that supposed to fit anyone's head? It's just completely flat on top. Fit, fit Iceman hmm. from from uh Top Gun. Yeah. Now, like, you don't you don't have a lot of pressure. Like these things don't like just the clamping pressure on your head is enough to hold them up. So like you're not these you're not getting a lot of weight on top of there anyways. It's just yep. probably I don't I don't think it's correct. I don't think it's it's correct to do that. But they do they do collapse nicely. So that's those. Um, I got some cross mags, the Gen Two versions. Uh, I'm going to show you guys the two of them side by side. So it's the Gen 1 on this side, the Gen 2 on that side. Gen 2's got a little bit more of a textured uh, outside to it, a little bit more grippy. Uh, They also have just very slight differences in the feed lips. The Gen 2 Mm -hmm. uh, starts just a little bit further back so that the rounds can come out a little bit sooner. Mm. Uh, They said the follower's different. I can't tell the difference between... Oh, there's a tiny, like, at the back there, there's a tiny difference ah. between the two of them and how they engage the bolt hold open. Otherwise, I can't tell. Um, they said they optimized the feed angle. My old ones ran fine. So uh, maybe these ones will run, run finer. finer? <laughs> maybe. It'll probably run just fine. Probably won't make any difference on that side. The textured on it is kind of neat looking, but um, uh, like pro- pros and cons, this textured should be easier to grab. Um, but if you yeah. get it dirty and clay in there, it's going to be a bugger to clean because mm. mm. this one was yeah. like basically like smooth. So you should be able yeah. to clean it off fairly. This is going to, you're going to scrub it out with a brush or something like that. Right. And Chaz is pretty clay and pretty muddy in the spring. So <laughs> if you drop a mag in the mud, it might, it might just be muddy for the rest of its life. <laughs> never going to clean it out. Uh, I was sharpening some knives. You guys know those kitchen knife things with like the thing yeah, yeah. that they yeah. used to shine up that sharpen them. I was sharpening some knives with it and uh I hate those things. Did They're you cut like off just... the finger? 
No, they're just not that good for oh, like. I was I was hoping that sharp. you were never mind. <laughs> You're hoping he cut off a finger. <laughs> wow, Kelly! Wow, <laughs> I'm gonna go get you that coffee right now. I've been watching no, Jeffrey. I've been kicking. watching a lot of the Dahmer episodes <laughs> on Netflix. Chips. <laughs> no, I still got all my fingers, but they just don't sharpen that great. Um, no, they don't. So I ordered a Lansky. I ordered a Lansky sharpener. I want to be able to oh, like, nice. sharpen yeah. my blades properly. And like those take a lot of time. And there's like it's it's mostly just a time thing, but they do a great job at, at sharpening knives. So it's not that yeah. much time. It's Come not on. as fast as the, the kitchen, like whoosh, that thing. That no, thing's quick. But it does, yeah, but it's they not make getting it, a sharp edge. Oh, yeah. But you hold the edge for longer, too, if you get the yeah. better edge on it and the angle yeah. that you need. Well, exactly. You have yep. four different angles you can choose from. Yeah, they go all the way from, like, your big <laughs> chunky guys to your, like, hunting blades, kitchen blades, and then, like, razors. Yeah. And so I got the one with, like, four stones. It was, like, 70 bucks on Amazon. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So chunky. I'll be sharpening some knives at that. And then Excellent. my youngest is uh, right now. Um, just going through his hunter's education course. So maybe we'll be doing some grouse hunting. Uh, Maybe some grouse hunting for Thanksgiving. A Thanksgiving grouse or two. There you go. Would be very nice. I do have two grouse breasts uh, in the uh, fridge upstairs. We haven't cooked them yet, but uh, maybe we'll just add on to those. And for Christmas, we'll just have like a ton of grouse. Grouse (laughs) bacon wrapped. Bacon wrapped gross. Ooh, what kind of what yeah. kind of recipe should I go with here? Yes, bacon, gro- uh, bacon wrapped. Or better than that. Bacon wrapped and throw them on the. Well, they're not that big, but you can throw them on the smoker for a little bit. A little Ooh. bit of smoke to them. Ooh. Cherry Ooh, like wood with like a little bit going. of a little bit of preserves. I've done it. I've tasted uh, one that Kelly Kincaid makes, and it's uh, sour cherry preserves with bacon wrapped on the smoker. Mm. it's delicious wow <laughs> i'm gonna get some bacon i'm gonna wrap my grouse chop it up i'm gonna bring it to my parents place for thanksgiving and we're gonna do some smoked grouse with nice. bacon wrap on it. i like your idea yeah. so much and we've got some of those uh yeah we've got some of those uh what are the not redneck uh old fridge smokers called the ones that everyone has the Bradley. 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 Oh. Yes. Okay. No, my other no. smoker is an old fridge. It's a it's like oh. an old metal fridges. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like that's and it's a big honking propane running like beast of a unit. You can run like 20 pounds. You can run a full batch in there. Whereas like those wow. Bradley's not a chance. Uh but the Bradleys are automatic and they like control the yeah. temperature and yeah. yeah, they're just better for that kind of stuff. So no, my I like your idea. Does that. Mine I run mine by my phone. I can actually. Oh, look! The temperature is going up. Could bring it down just a little bit. Oh, a little bit more smoke. Wow! And sit in no. bed. I can so sit in not... bed and play with the uh, smoker. No, not wearing your buckskin <laughs> shirt while you're doing this. <laughs> Ethan's gonna be very upset with you. No. What do you mean? No. My Wi-Fi's gone down. <laughs> there goes the patch. We're done. Not getting out of bed for this. Yeah. yeah normally, my uh, my smoking experience is uh, you start up the fridge smoker and it gets chugging, <laughs> and uh, and then you get to drinking, and then hopefully you remember to turn the damn thing off before you before the last person goes to bed or you wake up and you just <laughs> it's all burnt. Yeah. <laughs> and you get into the moonshine and then you're puffing on your jug and, and the banjo so is that out. really what all the you were talking about 
the um, Alberta drawl. Is that is that you with the Alberta drawl and the and the smoker? That's on the a, I can't put on a very good Alberta with the fridge. Drawl. No, oh. but I I am very redneck. Okay. Uh, yes, very okay. very redneck. Anyways, that's me. Uh, how about you, Kelly? I didn't do a lot. I didn't. I did not go to the range last weekend. Funny enough, um, yeah, didn't do a lot. I well, let's see. We set up some more uh, maple seeds. Was on a maple seed call. I was on a she shoots call, and I took over a small uh, South American country. Apparently, but other than that, I was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? You'll need a better beard. I know. Out. Okay, I'll start growing it. But no, um, yeah, I didn't go to the range this past weekend. I I did clean up my gun room a little bit though, so which is excellent. Got some shipments in for Project Maple Seed for next year. I showed up at the door uh, one day and I had two huge boxes at my door, and I'm going, "You left them in front of my door," uh, you know, in the middle of the day. I knew nobody was going to carry them away because they were a good 30 pounds each and nobody's going to be able to hide those packages under their shirts. So yeah, that's about it. I didn't actually do much. I'm kind of disappointed. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Half. What about you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I uh, went up to peace river for the annual team three gun match. And uh, yeah, it it was a great weekend. Awesome stages. Uh, one of the notable ones was uh, like a head-to-head stage. So you just same targets, everything, and you raced your partner to the middle. And so you kind of got to have a little sub competition in the main competition. That's fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I had, uh, de- designed a, uh, shotgun stage, which I kind of took some aspects from Ipsic shotgun nationals. And had no shoots, kind of half covering your target for the first shooter, and then the second shooter went and cleared it. And, ah, cool! That's yeah. awesome. Everyone I hated like, me I, at first. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone was cursing me quite literally. F you, Kyle! Right before the start, <laughs> and, and then actually afterwards, I think there's the, probably still there are, a few people that hate me, but everyone loved that. Uh, from yeah, what I, I was, heard, I was the same nice. people. Oh my god! Oh my god! That was awesome. I like tight shooting on shotgun. Yeah. It's it's hard. It's not something we practice a lot, no. and uh, it it benefits from choke selection and knowing your patterns. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a different skill to ex- exercise. Yeah, like I put a full choke in and just held the edge and just drilled them, mm-hmm. just like a slug hitting the plate. Oh, just <laughs> hammer them. Yeah, they probably flew yeah. like a million miles. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, performance wise, like this is a match where we really don't care about the results but me and my partner did uh bring a very quite decisive overall win we ended up winning the match by 110 seconds wow and uh did you win the costume uh competition no we did not win the costume cost competition what (laughs) i totally missed the memo on the costume competition but apparently there there was one sent out (laughs) there was a couple teams that dressed up uh one day like uh, val kilmer and i haven't even watched the movie uh heat yeah and the next day no i haven't watched it no Oh I haven't God. seen it either, and apparently it contains oh, the get best gunfight scene. I'm hanging up on you guys. Movie. <laughs> <Remove>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
temporary leave. You guys are going sabbatical for two hours. Till we get get ourselves right. Yeah. <laughs> I did hear that it's got pretty much one of the best gunfight scenes out there. Um, okay, the- so here's the deal. Every year okay. we dress up for Halloween. Mm-hmm. For a Halloween episode this year, you will dress up for Halloween and you'll dress up as Balkimer or whatever. To the heat. Mm. No? Why? Okay, I don't fine. Know. Whatever. We'll see. No, we'll see. Doesn't have the right hair for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Then the next day, they neither of them had silkies, but I think that's what they were going for. One guy had the spandex pants with short shorts on and had a shirt tied. It was rather Concerning. interesting. <laughs> it's rather interesting. High speed, low drag gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just part of the fun of the team match. And yeah, just great weekend. Uh, Crystal shot it and completed the match. Nice. And her and her teammate actually got the award for most improved from Saturday to Sunday. Oh, that's nice. so cool. Yeah. They knocked off four. Because like, uh, with the team match, the stages basically stay the same and you just switch which order you shoot. Because one, one person will shoot part of the stage and then your partner will shoot the other part. And then day two, you just switch that. Hmm. So it's pretty much the same stages. And they knocked... Well, 480 seconds off their time. Wow. Yeah. That's holy crap. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're moving on day two. Yeah. Wow. That's... Yeah. They've they, it drastic difference. You could see Crystal getting a little more comfortable. And yeah, they, they did an amazing job. Uh, Saturday, after the main match, they used the head to head match and they just like a $10 buy in and went ran a little head to head match, you know, cast prizes for first, second, third. So went into that and it was a it was a massive fail. <laughs> Instead of so doing a did. cash prize, they should do like a racing for pink slips. You should be able to like <laughs> bet against someone. Whoever wins gets the other person's guns. <laughs> <laughs> racing for red slips. You know what's modern, funny modern is my first matchup, I blogs. Probably would have taken that bet, and I would have lost my guns. <laughs> <laughs> so a buddy of mine got, it was just random, you got given a ticket, and then they drew for who you were uh, teamed up against for the first round. And I went out there, okay, well, I no disrespect to to him, but uh, I mean, he's a great guy. But I figured, okay, well, no, this, I should, I should have this. And so me... Thinking my infinite wisdom, I figure, well, I'm going to try racing through it anyways. So I'm going to get my groove down and try and race through it. So get the shotgun done. Uh, started racing a little bit too fast on the sh- rifle, but got that done. And got to the pistol. Started running. And then when I went to come shoot my finish plate, I, uh, I pulled the shot about 80 inches to the left and shot his finish plate down. Oops. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was over. I, I think he was just like halfway through his rifle shooting or whatever. And he's like, the everybody behind just you could hear him roaring, and then they're yelling at him, like, keep going, keep going. Why keep going? <laughs> you guys still gotta finish. 
<laughs> so it was uh I wasn't the only one to do something silly or dumb and get knocked out in the first round. So we got to start drinking beer early and just laugh amongst ourselves. <laughs> well, it's good that you had a good time, though. Oh, it was. You can't take that seriously. It, it's just, and it's just how those head to heads go. Yep. You know? Yep. In just the end, fun. when it got broken down, the. The quarterfinals and up, they were great matchups. They were close. You got two people on the pistol racing to the center. Ended up being awesome matchups and good for spectating. Great. That's really good. That sounds like a lot of fun. Nice job. Yeah. Well, it's an annual must-go-to event. But, uh, yeah, it was more or less a little bit of a rundown from the weekend. I'm probably going hunting this weekend to go Camp, my buddy sent me a message he wants to go out so and then actually last week while we were on the show my sister wrote and passed her alberta hunter's ed so oh that's awesome congratulations yeah, so that's someone else to take out hunting now Yay. Nice. But yeah that's uh it for me how about you dave uh finally back on range at uh at base Borden with the ora so that's <laughs> two and a half years almost three years so i was just i i almost cried when i put the flags up i was just so happy to be there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's i've 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 really really missed that because that's been my that's my social thing i do right yeah. I, I help run matches with the ora and that's my outdoors a lot of my outdoors time and I mean, other than running into some of my gun friends once in a blue moon randomly somewhere, I haven't seen any of those people in like two and a half years. Yeah. The last time I saw any of them was was November 2019, really. So it was great to be back out. Good to see people. We didn't didn't have a huge number of people for the plinking, but it was very short notice. It was only like a week and a half notice that we got the. But you got out, and you had. But a few we got people. out. We, yeah. yeah, we had eight, we had uh, ten people, three guests. That's good. Which That's was not great. Bad. Uh, one of the sure. one of the shooters who brings somebody out every time this guy comes out shooting, he brings somebody he's never had with him before. Awesome. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! Every single time, like every time. So he brought a couple with him that uh, that he works with, and they'd never shot before, um, and they had just had an absolute blast. So they had a really good time, and um, hopefully Fantastic. they go get their licenses. Yeah. yeah. And then had a, a CQC, which used to be CQB match uh, and service pistol match last weekend with uh, with uh, Andrew Vincent from uh, Canadian Patriot Podcast. He's our match organizer, so mm-hmm. I ran the uh, ran the range with him, and uh, yeah, had a great time. Made me sad there were no AR-15s out. I know, but uh, yeah, it was disappointing. But yeah. everybody had WK-180s a uh, lot of WKs 21 shooters, mostly WKs about 6 people with PCCs uh, all 9 Nels, different ones a couple FXs, a couple Rugers and uh, a couple Tavors okay. any, uh, any guns break on the line? <laughs> Remarkably enough none of the WKs went down during the match which usually there's at least <laughs> one that breaks during my plinking days when we're just sitting there shooting them shooting. So, yeah. <laughs> I think they've probably used them enough now that anything that's broken on them is just going to break and now they're good <laughs> they've replaced everything <laughs> Nice. yeah so it was, it was good it was really really good to be back out it was nice to be back out at the base and nice to see all my, all my shooting buddies so I enjoyed that uh so we've got a short season this year we've got three more events this year 
and then uh, done for the year. But next year, we're not expecting any issues. Um, everything. Yeah, be it'll be it'll be a full year stuff. next year. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, cool. Uh, still waiting on my Glock and Shadow transfers. I've heard nothing from the CFO. Um, yeah, and that was um, March, May 30th. I think I did those ones. So I've heard absolutely nothing I so know. far. And the purchasers, anybody else in on, well, anybody else in Ontario? Kelly, have you had any yeah. transfers that haven't gone through? No, because they only bought one gun, one yeah. handgun, and it was uh, it was retail. So oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, mine are done. How come you guys aren't done? <sighs> because our CFO sucks. Sucks, sucks, sucks. <laughs> anyway, I did buy an FD-12. I finally replaced my prohibited hunting shotgun, which apparently is a weapon of the battlefield. So my turkey shotgun got prohibited. So the turkeys are safe, not the people in Toronto. So I finally <laughs> decided to um, buy a new shotgun because I need a new semi-auto. So what I thought, you get? What kind of shotgun is going to piss the liberals off more than anything oh, else? I Lord. That one. <laughs> yeah. So I got an FD-12 bullpup because F those guys. And then I tossed a, uh, it takes the the mags that my Prohib has. So I still, I had four mags for that thing already. Oh, yeah. So I've got mags still. So this thing came with four and I've got four and it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's had some, some little tweaks and stuff done to it. Some aftermarket bits put on it and I got a really yeah. good price on it. So I figured... Ah, what the heck? It's a Turkish shotgun. Reviews are pretty good. It looks evil. It's green. I like it. And it was I've shot it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen them out on the range before and they seem to be pretty yeah. cool. So yeah, I, I I may shoot three gun with that in my Tavor and just go all full bullpup. Yeah. You never go you never go full bullpup, but I'm gonna go full bullpup. You gotta get the what's the uh Boberg, the pistol that's a bullpup <laughs> that, that goes backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should get one of those. That'd be hilarious. So looking forward to trying that out. Um, I'm going to throw a red dot on it. I've got a red dot on it. So I'm thinking I'm going to take that. I'm going to apply for, what the heck are they, East Gray uh, Gun Club, because I let my Aurelia membership uh, lapse, because I just, I never was getting out there. So I think I take my stuff to work and then go up after work and shoot at East uh, East Gray. So I'm going to join up there. And uh, if they're doing skeet, I'm going to take this thing out and shoot skeet with it. <laughs> and see how it is because that should be fun yeah with a red with a red dot yeah i'm sure that you will get um some pushback or maybe some yeah. funny looks welcomed with open arms because we're all gun owners there you go that's how it should work I, yes. I will say at a at a at an ORA thing um, that they were doing that is traditionally just strictly people with target rifles and like big heavy bolt guns. I took uh, me and a buddy showed up and we brought our AR-15s and we had a big list of guests, big line of guests behind our guns to shoot. And the other guys had like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, anyway, that is uh, that is it for me. Awesome. Oh, go yeah. deer hunting too. So. Oh, when is that? Uh, first week of November, I believe, out by Petawawa, going out with my brother-in-law, so that I haven't seen in a long time, so it's gonna, I haven't seen him in a year. Very so cool. Be fun. Well, good nice. luck with that. Yeah, so I'm going to do that. I just have to figure out what the hell gun I can use, because all my deer guns are prohibited, so um, <laughs> maybe I'll use the shotgun and just load it with slugs. We're only shooting 50 yards. Muzzle loader. Yards, maybe. Yeah, muzzle loader. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get into upcoming events. Well, guess what? It's winter, so there are none. 
there's a few, but we don't have any listed. If you do have any events that are going to be happening over the winter, let us know. We will be happy to advertise them for you and talk about them. Go check and... the AmperialRifleAssociation.com because we got a bunch more shoots. Okay. Why don't you put them up there for next week and we'll talk about them. Okay. I will. All right. Uh, if you are looking to do Ladies' Day or this year, probably not this year, but maybe next year, or if you're indoors, you can do them this year, uh, send me an email. Send it here to slimfireradio at gmail.com or you can send it to info at firearmsrights.ca. Love to help you out. CCFR Women's Division would love to sponsor uh, any of these uh, ladies' days because if you get more ladies into shooting, you're going to have a, one, a better time of going out to the range. But not only that, we're going to have more shooters, more ladies, more means more voters that are going to keep our Absolutely. Heads. Plus it pisses the liberals off when women go shooting. So. I know. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm, we're helpless. All right. <laughs> Um, let's get into the news. I put this in here. Uh, so apparently it was just announced that Australia has just announced that the shooting sports will be included in the 2026 Commonwealth Games. That's awesome. Nice. What are they going to use to shoot? They can't even have gel blasters over there. I know. <laughs> laser. Sure. Is it going to be uh, laser tag? <laughs> Do they so, allow laser tag? It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Australia says, nope, we're going to do it. Which is, hmm. is which is pretty awesome. So, anybody else see any other news that we want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I had put a couple in there. Okay, well, that's happening right now. Out? Yeah, Not there. Hmm? There's nothing in oh. here, so I oh, really? decided I was going to throw in some stuff. So, Kyle, you did have some stuff up there. Do you want to give us a briefing on what it was because we don't have it? Sure. Apparently, Elk Baldwin and the Hutchins family have reached a settlement. Oh, Jesus Christ. It. <laughs> yep. And Are you kidding the, me? Uh, Should be in jail. I, yeah. The widower, Matthew jail. Hutchins, is also going to be an executive producer on the show when they oh, start. Resume okay. filming in 2023. I quit. <laughs> So he's going to be the one that checks all of Alec Baldwin's guns before, like, is he the armor? <laughs> Stop pulling the trigger on people, Alec! Come on! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a whole article, and yeah, but yeah, so Baldwin got off. Apparently, there's still he some was other. Okay, you know what? Yeah. He's got that. Are, yeah. Okay, there's civil cases and there's criminal. The there is civil. still other course cases still out there with him. That yes. is correct. So he's settled civilly. Yes. But I still think. Um, yeah. But hey, the widower is now yeah. an executive producer. So. Well, isn't that. <laughs> Not that executive producer yeah. means anything. Just means you're around. Yeah. It's no. Like, uh, it's yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Well, he makes, the money. he makes the money from the show, too. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then the other bit of news was that there is actually now a court date for the CCFR versus Canada. Yeah. April 11th to the 20th. Oh, I'm going to book it a range date for AR-15s for that weekend. So I, I kind of put that in the CCFL friendly legal fundraiser section, but that's okay. <laughs> but there is a court date, which is awesome. Finally. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Sorry, Kelly. Half stole your thunder. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to steal my thunder. Why my uh, stuff isn't updated? I don't know. No. Um, But uh, speaking of the CCFR, go and join, donate, and support the CCFR because, quite frankly, 
we need to. That court date, as uh, Kyle says, coming up April 11th to the 20th. And it's going to be eight days where the CCFR, as well as all Canadian firearms owners, are going to be in court. And some governments, in, I understand. Ottawa. Too, like in yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Um, I do have else? I do have one little other piece of news. It's not Canadian news, but it amused the hell out of me. Okay. Which is some some dude 3D printed a bunch of auto sears for an AR-15 and then uh, took them to a New York gun back buy guy gun buyback and forced them to buy them back from him. Buy them back. Oh. So uh, yeah, he made twenty one thousand dollars U.S. and they didn't have enough money, so they offered to pay him later. And he said, "No, I'll be taking my money now, thank you, rather than leaving with these illegal devices." So yeah. they had to go basically to the, and go bank to the bank and go get money to buy gift cards to give him for these autos. I think that. The, so right now, C21 is being debated in the House of Commons. Yes. And I think that news prompted some questions in the House of Commons as well. Uh, because they were saying, okay, for buyback programs, does that include illegal guns? And the Liberals said, well, yes, it does. So they'll pay yes. for illegal guns as well. Oh, really? Instead of our, the ones that we have legally bought. So, yeah. So buy was, illegal guns as well? Mm-hmm. So, I'm recommending anyone with a 3D printer print off 500 AR-15 lowers and take them in because that would be illegal. But you know, maybe put some thought into that. Don't break the law. Don't break the law. But, yeah, but that would be hilarious. That question was put forward, and that okay during cool. the questions. So they will interesting. Buy guns. Interesting. Very interesting. And somebody has Get my tax money back. <laughs> Not that I'm going to break the law because that would be illegal. Yes, it would be illegal. All right. Let's hey, get look, into it. show notes is updated. Malicious. <laughs> it's a miracle. Thanks, thanks. Anyway, malicious thanks, compliance is the best compliance. Okay. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Dave. Yes, you can go ahead now. <laughs> I'm done rambling. All right. Adriel, why don't you tell us about some new gun stuff that you put in here? I'd love to tell you about some new gun stuff that I put in here. Uh, mostly sales and that kind of thing. I see that. Uh, yeah, the, the couple of good ones. Tenda's got the Tavor Seven for the in three hundred eight for thirty two hundred bucks, which seems like a good deal. Uh, they've got it in OD green, uh, no black. They got it in tan too. Tan looks stupid. OD green. Yeah. Really, I kind of like Tavors in in olive drab. I think they look sharp. Like the tan. I do like the tan in real life, the picture of me, but I've seen mm. it in real life mm. and they actually look pretty spanky. Okay. That, right. would, that would be a good deer gun. I wonder if I convince... uh, it would be a deer gun. I don't know if it would be a good deer gun. <laughs> yeah, 50 yards. Gun. Okay. Yeah. So, he, truth be told, when we went out hunting last year, uh, deer mm-hmm. hunting, uh, that's what Kelly used. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It work. We didn't actually get a deer but yeah, that's what well, she that's used hmm. <laughs> well we it's like a, it's a gun's fault for sure yeah, it is yeah. obviously no that's what well, she that's used cool. i'll have to ask her what she thinks of it cause... she loves it helga yeah. helga or hella 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 is her name oh yeah good hella. for uh those uh follow-up shots yep. speaking of follow-up shots uh, if you want something, the the small uh, little brother or little sister of that one, the Tavor X95 in 223 is on for 2379, 2380. Nice. I appreciate you didn't mm-hmm. uh, you didn't assume the gun's gender. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, depends who's shooting it. 
true. What they want to give it for a name and that All kind of thing. All guns have female names. Do they? Yes. Hmm. So it's just like, like all ships like ships no yeah names. of course yeah. ships for sure yeah mm-hmm. anyways it's in 223 it's 2380 and uh, it's the x95 that's like the better more ergonomic one um that's a decent price mm-hmm. speaking of hunting uh i've got the perfect hunting rifle next oh, up for us God. here this is the uh, high point uh semi-auto carbine in oh. nine millimeter Comes I had with one at the match last like week. Uh, and? So, so bad. So <laughs> this is non-restricted. It's an 18.5-inch <sighs> barrel. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's horrible. And it comes with gonna a say red, red, red dot. At least, at least it goes bang, but that's not true. Oh, five plus one on the mag, so it's a rifle mag, hey? Yeah. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. You figure they make them just take the pistol mags because it goes in the grip. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Do they not have pistol marked magazines? Maybe that's the issue. I don't know what mag those things take, but um, let's just say they're not a great gun. They're not ergonomic. They don't work well. They're uh, how much they're are shite. they? Yeah, they're they're garbage. But I mean, what what's the price on six fifty with a red dot? No, six fifty the... with like a hundred and eighty dollar red dot. We'll call it. No. Oh, and they're normally a thousand dollars. Are you shitting me? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's uh, some creative marketing there. We'll, we'll put it that way. Okay, hey, that's a bargain at two hundred. Uh, yeah, one thing I one thing I did at, while I was out hunting is we shot some pelicans, like some really cheap pelicans. Uh, shot some like cans and that kind of thing. And uh, I see triggers and bows has a similar thing for twenty five bucks. Regular price one twenty. Now only twenty five bucks. This might be because Stoger Brett is pulling pistols out of can. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. It's just a break <laughs> action. This is the same kind I was using over the weekend. You like crank the thing over the top. They're kind of a yep. pain in the ass to get the pellet in there. Uh, but they're fun. But it's twenty five bucks. Yeah, and they're fun. Bucks. If you want a fun little gun, twenty five bucks at Triggers and Bows. Correct. Uh, the next one here I have is Saskatoon Gunworks has a uh, restock on Apex Tactical and Nomad Defense. So if you're looking for an upgrade to your trigger, um, Apex has like a bunch of triggers for different things. And Saskatoon Gunworks has got you on that. Uh, the next one here, Fast Toys has uh, a couple of PDR Pro 2 holsters on clearance. They have uh, clearance models for the SIG 1911 Max, Canic, and Grand Power. Um, what's clearance? It is, come on, tell me a price here. 99 bucks hmm. instead of 130. Yeah, 99 bucks. Nah. And oh, they only have the SIG 1911 and the grand part. No, there's a canic right there. Only right handed. Better than a blade tech. Better than a blade tech, but yeah. Hmm. Uh, SBI Spectre Ballistics, they have their Lynx 180B upper receivers. They have some Ooh. Blem models that are a little bit cheaper on uh, clearance. These are 250. Uh, so it's an Air 180B upper. Um, these ones, the Blem is, I think you got to file the front a little bit, and the trigger might not be compatible if you got like a tall trigger pack, like the uh, Trigger Tex and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, if you're looking for an inexpensive upper receiver, if you're doing a 180 build, uh, they've got those. Sweet. Cool. Last one. Yep. Uh, I saw this. Love it. Yes, that is sexy AF. Venus V-Series. Small See? Four. Female names. 
Fallon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this is uh, an Italian. Um, Apparently, it's very small. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's bragging there or, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a twenty-two. It's a, it's a fancy twenty-two. So yeah. it's got uh, yeah. all your go fast PRS stuff it's on there. I think it's about 10 yeah. pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh. yeah. going to shoot like a, a fast 22. Shoot like an side. Italian. Italian. And uh, that's all I got for new gun stuff. Thank you. Oh, right. wait, there was one more. Campro oh. primers have been popping up in places. Oh, yeah, I yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw them. Uh, oh, where did I see them first? I saw them somewhere and they were gone like instantly as soon as they went up. And then TNA had them and they had them for like three hours and then they're all gone. <laughs> but the, but the, the Campro primers are Bosnian made super cheap. Three fifty nine for a thousand, uh, I think, is what I saw, um, which is ridiculous compared to the prices we have been paying. So. Watch for them. Three fifty nine yeah. per thousand. Maybe that was per five thousand. Maybe that was per five thousand. That makes more 30, sense. Thirty five cents each seems a lot for a primer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, look for those. Cool. Uh, it, those are just like the few retailers that that got them. Um, I bet there's other retailers that haven't quite put them up yet. They are going to put them up, and uh, they're yeah, be, they will. Yeah, uh, there's small pistol. Like you can't get a small pistol right now. So there's small pistol, small rifle primers. Watch out for those if you see them and you need them. Uh, buy some. I yeah, I saw some of my friends who reload. Uh, they were talking about yeah that they're just buying them up, just buying whatever they can get. Yeah, yep. may as well at this point. They're not getting any cheaper. Yeah. So awesome. Thanks, Adriel. All right, let's get into the main topic. Uh, all right, for our main topic, we have Ethan from I Love Muzzle Loaders. Ethan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Awesome. Now, uh, selfishly, I asked you to come on because uh, hunting season's coming up. I have, I don't know if you can see up here, I have yeah, a yeah. Physicians, uh Kentucky rifle that I made. And as I was like researching how to finish it and all that kind of stuff, I was like engrossing myself with all the YouTube videos. And I found your videos on, I believe you had finished uh, a Kentucky Hawken rifle and put up a yeah. series of videos, correct? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, that was an Invest Arms, I think it was the Gemmer Hawken they had in Flintlock. Yeah. Hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, maybe before we get to that, though, uh, just maybe introduce yourself, let our listeners know um, what you're all about and how you got into muzzleloaders. Yeah, so I'm Ethan, and uh, I love muzzleloading. I run the website, ilovemuzzleloading.com. Uh, we have a podcast and some videos and things just talking about muzzleloading and uh, just exclusively muzzleloading, which you don't see very often out there. I got into muzzleloading, uh, started in my family in 1937. My grandfather on my mother's side went to a muzzleloading shooting match that he heard about on the radio. Um, he and his brother and some friends drove down in a Model T to go uh, watch this shooting match. And then they, uh, the, my great-grandfather then said that next year we're going to go back with a gun. And so that kind of started my familial love of it really um, later on my father's father would also get into it when he came back from world war ii so for me i grew up and uh, didn't really know that there were other kinds of firearms for quite a long time um, and then you know as i got older you know kind of got into 22s and things but for me guns for the longest time were just muzzleloaders and so i've just kind of been able to carry that and uh, become more passionate with it now that i kind of have you know i'm a young adult so i have a little bit of extra time and a little bit of extra money to to put into things and so i'm just kind of spreading my love of muzzleloading 
Cool. Fantastic. Yeah, that's um, that's a that's a likely story for for getting getting started right, getting into hunting, getting into target shooting. Um, I, I had muzzleloaders before, but uh, I think they're the traditional ones that uh, uh, that uh, Hef and I um, have on our in our backgrounds are, are kind of new, kind of new for us. Um, and there's there's a bunch of questions, I guess, that uh, that new people into muzzleloaders might uh, might want to know. Um, I'm kind of interested in. So for uh, I've been shooting round ball because I think it's the easiest stuff to find and yeah. have data on it. A round ball good for hunting or would you would you rather go with like a mini or a belted? Um, still sticking with like a traditional rifle, not with like a, an inline or anything like that. Right. So I kind of look at it in a historical context. I think that if we look back through time, there's been more game taken with a round ball than just about any other kind of projectile. When you think about the, the length of time that uh, muzzleloaders were used, you know, for six or seven hundred years, that's all we had. Um, and it, we were primarily through that time shooting a round ball and, and lead shot in some of the you know other game rifles or, or you know, shotgun smooth work kind of things that were out there. So in a contemporary sense, we have a lot more you know, options to choose from, but, uh, in my kind of target shooting background and more accuracy focused background, I think it kind of lays itself into hunting still with a round ball because you're wanting to know where your shot's going to go mm. every time you're taking that shot. So ideally, even with a round ball, you're still taking an accurate shot that you're hitting within a, you know, a one inch circle. You know, if you can focus on that, uh, you're hitting in that shot and getting a good ethical shot on the game that you're trying to take. Now, because projectiles advance through times, you know, like we, you said there, we have the mini and now we have some conical projectiles, which I think you see similar performance as far as hunting goes, except now with the conicals and things, you get quite a bit more expansion than you do out of a round ball. A round ball just kind of distorts a little bit where something like a mini will flatten out and even some of your conicals as well will really flatten out and make a large, larger wound channel that we think a lot about now. Whereas, you know, when round ball was all we had, it wasn't really a consideration except for when you're talking about, well, I'm going to go out with a 58 or a 62 caliber rifle instead of a, a 45 or a 32 in that kind of sense. Uh, so I kind of look at it as it, it depends on how much work you want to go through, you know, getting your rifle sighted in. I mean, obviously I think we all need to be dedicated to that, to take those ethical shots, but I think there's not a whole lot of difference when it comes down to just taking the game with your muzzleloader. Cool. It's a lot of well, what it's what's in between your ears, I guess. Yeah. Mine seems to be really accurate with just round patched balls. It's, uh, yeah. it's rifled and it seems to be just, deadly accurate so I, especially at the at the range i'm going to sh be shooting deer at i think i'm going to be like 50 maybe 100 yards no probably 75 yards max and yeah uh, it's it's accurate enough i was just wondering about like the uh the lethality but yeah you're right like we've been using round ball for for forever for it right it's a 50 cal hole too that it's gonna make <laughs> yeah it, what, what you see a lot of, of people now talking about it where your, your conicals are going to expand and uh you know make a big entry wound and they might exit whereas your round ball most people you'll talk to if they've had a good shot on something with a round ball it punches two holes so they're, they're leaking from both holes there so that kind of contributes to that as well it's, it's something that the round ball has that maybe some of your other projectiles don't um <laughs> and if you're considering using, like you talked about, like a, a belted bullet or like a, a sabot or a sabot bullet, um, those 
really work better in a, a faster twist rifling. So if you have a more traditional muzzleloader, you need to check out the twist rate of your rifling. Uh, really traditionally, like old school original stuff, we're seeing a 1 in 60, a 1 in 66 inch twist on those. Um, and you even, I was, I was talking to a guy about really big bore stuff, like African game hunting. You get into like a 1 in 120 twists, you know, and it, it gets nuts. But for... Th- those twist rates work really well for you just your lead round ball. It gets those spinning up really well, but that doesn't perform as well with a lot of the conical bullets that are out there. So you oftentimes want a faster twist. So one of the main compromise twists is a 1 and 48 inch twist. I don't know if Thompson Center is the one that really, I know that they made it very popular with the Thompson Center Hawkins. Uh, but that is kind of an in-between where you can shoot your round ball and some of your conical bullets. It's not nearly as fast as some of the 1 in 22 or 1 in 20 or 1 in 18 twists that we see in some other modern muzzleloaders, but it's enough to get that conical spinning and get it accurate. So that's, that's something just, you want to look out for when you're considering those projectiles. That's so wild. That's How, those twist rates in like a one in 20 is like a super fast twist rate yeah. for, for muzzle loader. <laughs> yeah. When you get into the, you know, I call it kind of the, the race car, the drag racing stuff and muzzle loading. They're, they're really playing with some neat stuff. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> just a mild <laughs> encouragement. Just, a, you know, maybe spin a little just, bit. Yeah. Just, just a little just faster. Yeah. Little yeah. <laughs> yeah. This traditions is a one in 66. So I think okay. I'm, I'm probably stuck with ground ball. Yeah. I mean, you can try it. I'm not saying don't try it. I mean, it's always going to be fun when you're out shooting, but I think you'll have better results maybe with the round ball. Hmm. It's hmm. literally one twist in five feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It turns. It has a turn. It has a turn. <laughs> I like oh, that. Amazing. Yeah. Um, what about what about powder? So uh, I haven't been able to find any black powder, so I don't think that's like even a possibility. Maybe it's possible. Yeah. Maybe I yeah you guys up there have a really tough time getting it, from what I hear. I found uh, Pirate X, and I found Triple Seven, and that's yeah. it. That is it. Any well, both of on on those or both of those are going to be fine. I mean, those were developed to make it easier for people to shoot black powder. So at least here in the United States where I'm at, black powder is separate from smokeless powders and the black powder substitutes. So it requires a different level of safety and storage. Here it requires a separate magazine that's separate from your business and your building. And for many people, it's not a thing that they want to handle or or mess with. So um, you have several distributors that'll ship it, you know, if you're a place where you can get it shipped to you. But because of those hard requirements you had things like like pyrodex and triple seven get developed that are kind of an in-between of the smokeless and the black powder where they they perform like black powder they're composed like black powder but they're not you know made up with the same materials that make it part of that strict safety guidelines as as far as storage goes um so yeah i i I don't know enough about it uh to say i've primarily shot black powder i've been i've lived pretty close to several distributors so i've been very fortunate with Mm -hmm. that but there's nothing wrong with shooting the substitutes that are out there um they're going to be a little bit different um and especially with your your percussion gun you might have some issues with the triple seven where you you might need like a magnum percussion cap I think just about everybody makes a Magnum number 11 cap that, that people say usually burns better, gets that triple seven to ignite better. Cause the, the triple seven has a bit of a higher ignition point from, from what we can tell online and mm-hmm. kind of re- understanding this stuff. Um, 
but your your pyro decks your triple seven are going to be fine. Like I said, the only the only difference you might see is uh, is your is your ignition point is a little bit higher sometimes. So uh, a lot of people have difficulty with triple seven in a flintlock, uh, getting that to go off just because the the temperature isn't high enough. But tons of people use it in their percussion guns, in their percussion rifles, and it's really popular in uh, cap and ball revolvers. I mean that's like the go to thing is some pyro dex or some triple seven in those, just because it's so accessible. And the cap and ball revolvers are really a, the introduction point for a lot of people. They still want a, a repeater of some kind when they're coming from a modern firearm, and they kind of get the the sense where they're still loading individual chambers like you do on a muzzleloader. So, no problems there. Uh, uh, I guess the one complaint you might hear is that they're a bit dirtier uh, than black powder, and uh, so you want to make sure that you're thoroughly cleaning after you're using those substitutes, just like you would with black powder. Uh, folks say that after you've cleaned or after you've shot uh, Pyrodex or triple seven, you clean your rifle, you clean your pistol, and then you want to come back a couple days later, just check it, maybe run a few cleaning patches down it again, and make sure you apply a liberal coat of oil to the internals yeah. just to make sure that you don't have anything going on in there. But other than that, you shouldn't have any trouble with it. Yeah, I notice if I don't clean it for a day, it, it picks yep. up some flash rust. Yeah, yeah, you need to clean it that day. <laughs> yeah, and I've had things where if they've sat, you know, over winter and I've not got out shooting some, it'll get some of that surface level rust on there. I mean, so a lot of people you see online are really nervous about that, but it's it's not a big deal. You're not going to ruin your bore and ruin your accuracy by having some of that surface rust in there. Just clean it out, get it flushed, and you're going to be good to go. Uh, on the substitutes, you have the... Uh, you have an option for the loose powder and the pelletized powder. Mm -hmm. uh, and when it, it considerations for hunting, the pelletized powder are, are really popular because you don't have to measure anything out. You can just drop your two or three pellets in your bore oh. and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. um, you do see, though, in the, in the chronograph tests, uh, and people say it when they're going to clean it, uh, that there is some fluctuation, though, in the performance with those pellets because of the, the glue that they use to hold that together. And there are some inconsistencies in that production. Now, it's not to say that it's not going to take your game or it's going to ruin your hunt or anything. Um, but just when we're getting down to like the nitty gritty, we notice differences in those pelletized versions of those powders. So you'll see a lot of people recommend using the, just the powder version of those powders and pre-measuring some charges and putting them in like a speed loader. If you're worried about a follow-up shot when you're out hunting, yeah, but yeah, no, thing to do. Yeah. yeah uh, it, like the, the pellets, I used the pellets before when I had an inline and it was using like the shotgun 209, but with right in the back there. Yeah. But with this one, like this guy has a cap that goes in from the side. I don't know. I, I didn't feel great about it. Like just hitting the side of one of those pellets. It didn't feel like it would get like, maybe it's fine. And I don't know, but I just went with loose powder. It just seems if you have air around your spark, you're going to wind up with inconsistencies. Well, with the 209s in the back, it, like it, you get fire right through the middle, and the, and the pellets have like a, a yeah, hole they have a in hole the in them, and then the, you have the the, the star the design as well. Yeah, which I, I uh, that seems great, but just like on a on a side lock, like eh, yeah, so I'm just gonna ram into the side of like this glue powder mix, which probably will work, but yeah, I didn't feel great about it. But, <laughs> yeah, they need to be confident in your equipment, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> and the loose powder is fun too. I like just like dumping a bunch of powder in the. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of connect with history a little bit there. You know, it's 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 really old timey at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Can we uh, dive a little bit further down into this powder rabbit hole? And and I know I'm I've heard all these terms growing up, but really I I have no idea. 
and I'm sure there's a bunch of other listeners. Can you kind of describe the differences in the powder? Like I know on the black powder side, you got like F, triple yeah. F. I'm sure there's some others. And then going into the new stuff like the Pyrex and the triple seven and that. So b- black powder, as far as we know in history, has always been separated by some kind of F granule. And it's the same black powder if you're, if you're talking about true or real black powder. All of your Fs from one to four are all the same powder. They're just ran through a screen and different sized powder or different sized granules are taken off and, and lumped in with each other. So you have one F, two F, 3F and 4F. 1F is traditionally a large caliber cannon or large caliber like smoothbore musket. You're thinking like a Brown Bess or your Charleville, kind of your big bore military grade powder. It's the same powder. The granules are just larger. And then your 2F is really your most common powder. So it's a it's a step down from that 1F, but it's what a lot of people are going to use in their 50 caliber muzzleloaders and up is kind of the rule of thumb is with, with 2F, you want to go 50 and above. Now, when you get down to the nitty gritty, the, the differences between, between using 3F and 2F in different kind of muzzleloaders doesn't really change unless you get down into like below 40 caliber. You can run pretty much back and forth. Uh, you don't want to use you know, there's, there's just not a whole lot of difference. You, there's some things in there on safety that folks are concerned about on pressures, uh, but it doesn't change a whole lot from as far as anybody in the contemporary space can tell. So your, your 2F is going to be the most common powder, and then you kind of come down to your 3F with just a little bit smaller of a granule, and that's going to be most commonly used in 40 caliber and under. Your transition between 45 and 50, it's really kind of hit or miss. But like I said, that general rule of thumb is going to be, you know, 2F for 50, 3F for below 50. And then you get into 4F, and 4F is really your first super specialized powder, and that's primarily used as a priming powder for quick ignition in a flintlock. So that's the little bit of powder you're putting, I don't know, like three to five grains or so on a, on a measurement into your flintlock priming pan, you're closing the frizzen, racking your cock back, and that's what you use to ignite your main charge in a flintlock. There are stories about 4F being used as a main charge being a bad idea. I, I haven't personally experienced that, but I, it's this kind of thing that I've heard enough that I kind of stay away from it, and I recommend that other people stay away from it. Um, you know, a, a can of 4F can really last you a long time because you're only using – you're just using a little bit of it uh, each time you're going and shooting. So, you know, stick into the 2 and 3F for your main charges. And, and that 1F, you know, if you've got something really big and that's all you can get a hold of, it doesn't hurt to use 1F, but uh, – uh, two and three are your, are your most popular powders out there. You can find some one and a half F, which black powder cartridge shooters like a lot uh, for those, you know, kind of sharps era uh, rifles out there. But as far as muzzleloading goes, you know, that's kind of how those granulations work. And that's really inspired the Pyrodex and the triple seven granules as well. So you'll see the bottles marked with the same uh, designations of two or three F. I don't know personally how much the, difference matters in modern muzzleloaders, which are primarily using that 2 and 3F. But if you're using a a substitute in a traditional muzzleloader, I think it's best to stick to that same guidelines on 2 and 3F based on your caliber, even with those substitutes. Because they perform so similarly, the manufacturer is just kind of stuck to what's been used for so long, just to not confuse anybody. And I I think that was smart, (laughs) you know, not that my opinion matters on it, but it makes it easier for you to understand 
understand and say, okay, I can't get black powder, but I need to use 2F. I can pick up a can of 2F Pyrodex or 2F777 mm-hmm. and go do the same thing. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the when I was looking between the 777 and the Pyrodex, the, the Pyrodex is volumetric, like the same as black powder. That's why I chose it. So I didn't have to like buy different gear. Yeah. The triple seven. I think the triple seven is what fifteen percent under, some percent under that. It's like yeah. The nice thing about it is it's got a label on the bottle that kind of tells you the max that you should use, and as long as you're staying underneath that, and ex- I mean, with muzzleloaders, it's neat because you can experiment with your charge with every shot. It's kind of like reloading modern ammo. You can really get into the nitty gritty of that and, and experiment with it. And as long as you're staying underneath that max, you're good to go on, on playing with that stuff. Yeah, that's what I did. It was nice being able to run like, like max is 110 grains, but if you want to, you can run 50 and it'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> yeah. Nice little, not that the, even the, the high, high test stuff gave all that much uh, recoil, but yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice to be able to vary it. I think hunting, I'll go max. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say, you know, to be a stickler, it depends on how accurate your rifle is. Um, mm. So, like, some of my stuff, I can I can shoot 100 grains in it, but it likes 85. And if I'm not if not, I'm not getting anything out of that extra 15 grains, I'm going to save that <laughs> 15 grains, uh, you know, because I'm frugal and cheap. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Nope, load well, up, Adriel. <laughs> I've tried it. I've tried it. It's, it's it's accurate enough at fifty. There you 50, go. I'm still like I'm still getting in the kill zone on a deer, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm gonna go max just to hammer it, just to hit that but, hard. Yeah. Well, just so I don't have to like follow it too far because uh, like it like they're the projectiles are quick, but they're not that quick. It's it's not a ton of uh, a ton of speed you're pulling out of those things. But yeah, still what, enough. What's your here. velocity on like your fifty cal? How a how heavy is a fifty cal? ball and what kind of velocity do you get out of them i just did a i don't know it off the top of my head let me let me look here oh when i look mine up i i want to say it was 170 grains something like that that sounds about right yeah i think i weighed one that was 174 i'm sorry this is not riveting podcast (laughs) (laughs) radio listeners 175 175 down in spreadsheets yeah yeah Okay, so, so a 490, a 490 is 175 is what I'm reading here. I had a 495 that was 184 grains. I recovered this was in a in a water jug test, so not not a one to one, but I recovered 176 grains out of it, and I had 1912 feet per second out of it. So it's still oh. it's still moving a little bit. Moving, that's not bad. Uh, and then some of my heavier conicals went down from there. A uh, 385 grain Hornady Great Plains conical was moving at 1604. Spoken along. That's so not still, not super yeah. slow, but yeah, still booking some. That's gonna yeah. whack a deer real good at 100 yards. Though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of weight. Yeah, just push through. Well, when you were mentioning earlier that the round ball gets a, an entry and exit, I want an exit wound because a lot of I, I've shot deer before with other like with centerfire rifles where I don't get an exit wound. Yeah, and there's nothing for a blood trail. That entry wound is not that big. A little bit of fat gets in there, and all of a sudden there's no there's no blood trail. And trying to yeah. track a deer with no blood trail is hard. Yeah, uh, I want both. I want yeah, both. that that entry and exit that's that's always a good way to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you mentioned um, 
like quick reloads and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of reloading uh, accoutrement would you uh, <laughs> would you take hunting? <laughs> what would you take out? Would you take like the full powder horn, the whole like possibles kit, or where, like what, what what would you uh, head out to the field with? I live pretty close to where I can walk to where I can go hunting, which is really yeah. nice. I'm really fortunate. So for me, I, I kind of enjoy getting out and wearing the full kit. You know, I've got a set of 18th century clothes and footwear and things and, and a pack. So I can go out and, and hunt like I am in the 1700s. And, and when you get back in the woods and you're wearing all that, you know, you kind of get back into that sense. You know, you can kind of, uh, again, kind of connect with history there a little bit. Um, so I, I enjoy doing that. I, I think it's it's a way we hunt for quite a long time and and I really enjoy throwing on my my leather pouch you know it was made by a friend I've got a horn made by a friend and some of my other equipment made by friends so I enjoy doing that but there's nothing wrong with you know having a little uh, belt bag or or just throwing some stuff in your pockets of a vest or something Um, so for me I go go pretty traditional especially if I'm using a traditional muzzleloader with the bag and the horn uh, you know, some extra round balls and some patching. Uh, and I might have, a, you know, a small screwdriver, you know, to adjust my flint if I need to, um, an event pick, you know, make sure I have a nice clean vent if I'm sitting there, if there's a little moisture or anything. Uh, but really, that's I'm not taking a whole lot. I, I've not had a catastrophic failure. I, I shoot everything enough that I'm kind of with my muzzleloaders. Um, so I, I, nothing really sits for me. So there's no real risk of anything aging or, or getting out of whack. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull up on a nice buck and then my mainspring break or something in my lock. Um, what I've heard that happening. Uh, but I, I try to pack pretty light, uh, you know, make sure I have my primer, my priming horn and my caps and, uh, you know, a couple tools, maybe a, a couple jags if I need to pull a ball or anything. But, um, I'm really hoping, I guess, for, for not having any catastrophic failures in the field. So I pack pretty light. Nice. I wonder if you wear a buckskin jacket. Is that like camo? Is that deer camo? Does that work well? They think you're a deer, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's Bob. Haven't seen him in a blam. <laughs> it works. I got I to gotta ask you. It's been about a year. <laughs> wearing the kit and the gear, are you uh, wearing a coonskin hat? No, I am not. I do have a coonskin cap, but oh. for for the area that I'm in, I'm a little bit before coonskin caps. Oh. So I got to go a little bit. I got to go a little bit west, but I do have one. I did grow up with one, so yeah, definitely a staple. But maybe I should. Maybe I should go out hunting in a coonskin cap. I'm I'm vaguely disappointed that you're not. <laughs> That's. A, <laughs> I'll I'll try to I'll try to turn that around this year for you. Okay, good stuff. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think like personally, I'm gonna I'm gonna load up powder and ball at the uh, at the house. I'm gonna head out hunting, prime when I get there. Oh, primers have been impossible to get. I uh, I was running the uh, musket caps on this thing, the four eleven, four hundred one. Okay, four yeah, wing, yeah, the yep, four wing four cap. Wing, yep. They were not great. They were not great for uh, for reliability. I'd get a lot where like I had some burning powder flying out the uh, this the end of the uh, the barrel, and then I finally found some number eleven at a small uh, shop around, and that's been like, oh, this is what it should have been like the whole time. It just hmm. strikes off every time, and yeah, it's it's, it's, it's reliable. It's been a real problem. The the primers and things. I mean, the stuff I'm hearing out of the American primer manufacturers, they're so focused on the modern centerfire stuff that they don't really care a whole lot about muzzleloaders, which wow. we don't like to hear. But you know, mm-hmm. thankfully there have been some kind of push through here as we head into hunting season. So I'm hoping that they can kind of get back on track and start shipping those out again. Because if you don't have them, if you didn't stock up before the last few years, you're just 
you're just kind of out of luck, which really stinks. You know, it's hard to get into it if you're, you know, shooting a calf that gives you hang fires and, and spits powder out the bore. You know, that's no fun, you know, and it, it should be pretty fun. <laughs> Well, that's, that was what the reality was. Uh, yeah, no problem finding balls, no find, no problem finding powder, caps. And uh, like, I was just dreading, like being, uh, I tried it out at the range with those, uh, those big musket caps. And I, yeah. you know, maybe like three, two or three hits per, uh, before it finally goes off. And I knew yeah. it was, I would, I'd be drawing down on a deer and that would happen to me. So I was glad I could find <laughs> the number 11s. <laughs> Did you have a, a, a musket cap nipple? Nope. Oh, okay. That explains that a little bit more. Sort okay. of balanced on there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it wasn't a great fit. Okay, right. so that was kind of hanging as you were <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you can't if you the only thing you can find is those musket caps, you should be able to find even if you're up in Canada, you should be able to find a musket cap nipple to go into your percussion rifle. Should have the same threads to go into the drum on the side of your barrel, it's just diameter at the top to accommodate that, that cap will be a little bit larger. So that's something to, you might be able to get that faster than you can get caps. If you're out there listening and you only have musket caps and you're trying to dangle your cap. <laughs> I appreciate that you had, you, you stuck with it though. I love to hear that. Like that's some real mountain man energy right there. Yeah. Still had to try it. And uh, <laughs> well, there's a, there's an area I'm hunting where uh, it's uh, traditional or shotgun only. So I can go with my muzzle loader. I can go with it or I can go with a shotgun. Okay. Awesome. And uh, uh, I was trying the muzzle loader. It was like, yeah, it's accurate. But the primer, primer, primer thing was uh, causing me issues. But uh, so I was going to go shotgun. But now for sure, I'm going muzzle loader because the accuracy nice. was just great. And awesome. uh, it's going to be close. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. That's late how, October how here. far out did you shoot that thing? Adriel? Uh, I shot round ball to 300 on, on okay. steel. Yeah. Oh, nice. That, yeah. Making, making hits like real, pretty decently reliable hits on steel. Yeah. Uh, at two and 300, you just like a really eyeball, a lot of drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of this group of leaves I'm looking at and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was about uh, four yards over, I think, at uh, at 300. And I wasn't running like a full send powder uh, with it either. I was going like, I think, 70 or 80 grains or something like that. So that's lots awesome. of draw. Lots yeah. of draw. That's, yeah. that's impressive, though, when you think about it. I mean, people yeah. used to fight with these things at like, what, 100 feet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too close for comfort, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Throw it. And you're you're nailing stuff out at 300 yards. That's, that's, that's cool. Like, I don't... Yeah. I don't think about that. I'll think of like a sharps with like, you know, one of the big bore yeah. cartridge rifles reaching out that far with like target sights on it. But, you know, I, I don't think about your, your little, uh, your little rifle that you've got reaching out that far. So that's, that's really cool. With a spherical projectile too. Yeah. I and mean, that kind of throws about, uh, you know, some questions about conicals and, and bullets, you know, <laughs> yeah, just kind of fun. We're shooting at each other from further way back in the day. Yeah. It seems yeah, silly to line up. Ballistic coefficient on a ball is not great. No. <laughs> the only thing worse would be square. Yeah. <laughs> it would be worse. That's about it. My father built a 25 caliber flintlock squirrel rifle for a guy. I mean, it's like you're, you're shooting a BB, basically. But, boy, that thing shoots. I mean, if you're inside 50, you know, 25 yards especially, I mean, it shoots like a house of fire. I mean, it's great. Wow. But you wouldn't think it. <laughs> I haven't seen any any like real small. All I've seen out here are like hunting size, like 45, 50 cal. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the odd like brown bass that would be a little bit bigger than that. But uh, a shoot a, a small squirrel rifle would be really interesting. Mm. Oh yeah, I don't know if you can see these. Yeah, I've got 
I've got these little guys. Oh yeah. It's hard to tell the size. They're they're really small. They're about nine mil. I haven't actually calipered them to see what they are, but a buddy of mine <clears throat> was selling all his guns and he mentioned he's in his eighties and he mentioned that when he was a kid he lived near Ottawa and when he was like sixteen he bought um a muzzle loader and never really used it. So he got powder with it and a few other things. So he asked me if I wanted them, like, I guess, I guess, I don't know, <laughs> on the AR-15, but sure. <laughs> hang it over the, it's hang way it over better. The... <laughs> <laughs> we'll disagree what, on so that is... fact. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, this oh, is yeah. what I got off him. And I, he said it was apparently made by some gunsmith near Ottawa like a billion years ago who made these things. And yeah, I, it's got a beautiful wood grain on there. I mean, that's. Yeah, it's kind of pretty. I mean, there's no, yeah. I can't find any markings on it. There's no making markings or, you know, whoever might have made it. It's 10 feet long. It's <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, that's pretty worn. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He just had it hanging on his, over his fireplace. So yeah. I don't know if I actually will shoot it or not. I might not. You haven't shot that thing? Oh, you've you had that thing you're safe? You haven't shot it? Yeah, I've had it for like two years. It's just oh. insane. I don't have any other <laughs> shoot that thing. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know where you're to shoot. Me. You're killing me. You're killing me. my county. <laughs> And I think it need, probably needs a new spring. I'm going to have to learn about these things, but it's pretty weak. So I think it needs a new yeah. spring. But it's, I mean, it's kind of neat. I don't know. Yeah. If nothing I else, love I'll it. Hang, it over the, hang it over the fireplace. I'll need a fireplace. For shoot it. Shoot it. You got to shoot it, Dave. If you got the, if you got the rifle, you've got the round balls for it. You got to, you got to shoot it. Powder and, or apparently I can't get caps, but yeah, it's weird. It's like a tiny little, <laughs> tiny little caliber. I'm, I'm guessing with small game or just used for target shooting. Cause it's got a big heavy barrel cool. on it. Yeah. 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 It's kind of your late 18th or late 19th, mid 19th century kind of styling, but that kind of really got popular again in the early 20th century as mm -hmm. muzzleloading kind of came back even with cartridge and smokeless powder. Um, but you know, it, it's got some age on it, so that might be, you know, kind of a neat piece to have. I mean, it's it's neat that you got it, and I'm glad you're you're keeping it safe. That's really cool. Yeah, I like guns, so <laughs> I don't care what they are. I just like guns, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. why not? I don't have a muzzleloader, so <laughs> everybody needs one. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it's kind of neat, even just to have it, right? To yeah. show people, it's kind of cool. So because it's black powder, there's like, and I'm like, is it safe to shoot? And I'm like, well, it's black powder, so. It's probably fine. Yeah. It's, low it's a little burn. Powder in the top. Yeah. What a ball. Try it's it it's really, that's the nice thing about black powder is it's really hard to be super dangerous with it. I mean, you, you want to be safe with it. You want to make sure that your powder can is closed and not near where you're shooting. Um, but really from that point, it's really hard to get up enough pressure to really hurt anybody. If you're using traditional real black powder or one of the substitutes, it just can't get that hot. Um, you know, so it's kind of where you see a lot of people starting their kids out with it. You know, like I was, I'm obviously lobbying for that, you know, because I like muzzle loading, but it's a really a, a neat way to expose kids to it because they can see the entire process and you can load it down so light that they can enjoy shooting it. There's a big cloud of smoke and it's not enough to hurt them. I mean, I started out on a 54 caliber big bench gun and it was, you know, like 12 or 13 pounds. So there wasn't any recoil. There was a big cloud of smoke, you know, and it was just, I was just hooked, you know, and, that, and that's, that's part of the neat thing about it is you can, you can make it really safe and really comfortable for any statured shooter or anybody that's, you know, with relatively limited exposure to shooting. 
I will say the first time I saw a guy shooting black powder, I wasn't. I knew what they were shooting, but I was just kind of hanging around the range watching. I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm like, okay, that's cool. As soon as they pull the triggers, I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that boomph and just big powder everywhere, and near the steel go down, down range. I'm like, that's cool. Like yeah. that's really neat. Yep. Yeah, that's the black powder uh, smile. Yeah. yeah, and then ten minutes later, they fired another shot. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Cutting deep. Yeah. Any other questions? Um. Yeah, actually, I I will ask. So I got given a couple black powder guns that are mid build. My grandpa started building them, and uh, just wondering if you have some advice. I'll bring out the one. Yeah. So this is a 50 cal flintlock mm-hmm. that my grandpa started building. And as you can see, it is very rough. It's been inleted for the yep. action. Yeah, but like this this is just sitting in here. I put it in all in here for the show. I was just wondering if you have any advice for like, finishing stocks, making sure that the barrel's set right and everything. And then like, over my shoulder is the 45 cal. Yeah. It's more done. It's rounded off and it's a little bit more done and my grandpa actually modified that action from flintlock to cap and ball oh cool well looking at them all of the hard work is done on those i mean it's the getting the lock inlet and getting your barrel inlet and your trigger assembly looked like it was in there too that is really the hardest part about making a muzzleloader is getting all those parts set um I mean, looking at them, if they're in there, uh, I would just kind of go with that and uh, uh, assume that your grandfather got the lock in there at the right level and, and got it in there. You want to make sure that your lock is, uh, especially on your flint lock, right up against your barrel. You don't want any gap between your barrel and the lock because your priming powder can get down in there and, and split your stock out between your, your lock and your and your barrel. But really, you just have some file work and some and some sandpaper work to get that polished up and finished. Um, the only inletting I can see on there you might want to do is is a butt plate on the rear end, which is relatively simple. They're they're really large and and their shapes are really simple, and uh, and a nose cap maybe to protect that end grain out of the front. Um, and I guess you might have to drill your ramrod uh, channel or you know to get your ramrod yeah. in there. But um, really, having your lock and your barrel in there, you can finish that up in a few weekends man you're good to go <laughs> okay well i do have one more other question because i do yeah. know like this one barrel this is on the flint lock it just spins off is there other stuff i need uh, to do to finish this this barrel off because the end cap just threads right off and i know it's on the cap and ball it's got a the port coming out the side does the flint lock have the same thing typically so the flint lock you'll want to just bear down and, and tighten up that breech plug um, so that it can't come out um, and you'll, you'll have guys that, that will put some like anti-seize on there so that they can remove the breech down the road. But traditionally for many of us, we never take the breech plug out. We just leave it in there and, uh, you know, assume that those threads are tight enough. And in my lifetime, it's not going to rust out. And in yours, it's not going to rust out. Um, uh, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. There's some information on, uh, especially some of the muzzleloading forums that are out there, um, from some really experienced builders on setting that because you really want that to be right because that's containing your ignition. <laughs> but your, your, the lock side of it though, where your percussion rifle there has a drum coming off to connect your nipple, uh, to where your uh, cap will hit, your flintlock is going to have what we call a touch hole. And that is just going to be about a, a one six or 
can't, if, can't remember if it's a one sixteenth or if it's a three sixteenths diameter hole going into the barrel. And now that's kind of intimidating uh, for a lot of people when you're just looking at it, but you want that to be lined up uh, generally with the center of your pan when the lock is setting up against the barrel. And it kind of goes back and forth on whether you want it to be centered vertically. Um, but horizontally, you want it centered with the center of your pan. And then vertically, I typically line it up in the center too. Um, so you're at the center of that barrel flat lined up with the center of your pan. And you can just drill that hole and you'll be fine. All of the original guns that we see all just have a drilled touch hole. They don't have a liner. Now, with modern traditional muzzle loading or contemporary muzzle loading, we have, uh, you know, modern materials now. So you'll see a lot of stainless touch holes or even platinum touch hole or touch hole liners that are put in. And that's just where you overbore your touch hole, thread it, and then screw in a touch hole liner. And that gives you a more durable touch hole that you can then replace down the road if you're planning on shooting. So a lot of the hardcore competitive shooters are going to have one of those really durable touch holes so that when they burn that out, they can put another one in and keep going. Okay. And again, I mean, the forums and things, there's a lot of really experienced builders out there that are sharing that stuff and sharing really good pictures. Um, on YouTube, the Grumpy Gunsmith of Williamsburg is definitely a guy to check out. Uh, he'll give you, I mean, he just has basically a long rifle building school and he goes into those super nitty details like setting your breech or lining up your touch hole. And he'll walk you through those in those videos and you'll be good to go. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Happy to help on that. I hope you finish them. Having a family connection to those with your grandfather is just awesome. I mean, I love when people yeah. are holding on to that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I plan on finishing them when they do. I don't know, but I do plan on finishing them. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's how it goes. I planned on finishing them too, so maybe you should finish them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, we're we're way past our time here, Ethan. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> where, uh, no, no worries. It's all been like a great conversation. I think like uh, well, uh, maybe what we'll have to do is is have you on sometime in the future again. But uh, uh, maybe let the listeners know where they can hear about you and uh, and where they can find out more information about uh, muzzleloaders from you. Yeah, so you can find, if you're interested in what we've been talking about, you can visit my website at ilovemuzzleloading.com. There you'll see links to the podcast where I interview other contemporary muzzleloading enthusiasts. Um, that's builders, historians, uh, reenactors, living historians that are going out and camping and trekking and hiking in period gear. Uh, really try to cover as much as I can and and share the conversations of people that don't necessarily get their stories heard um, in muzzleloading because it's such a small community, the only way you can a lot of times get heard is to go on a lecture tour or publish a book. And a lot of, for a lot of people, that's really hard to do. Um, so I try to interview and, and bring their stories kind of to the masses as much as I can um, to share and, and document their history and their research. Um, and on the website, you can find the videos and, and the articles that I publish as well. Um, it's really just a hobby for me. I'm not doing any of this full time. I'm not getting paid to do it. So it's just kind of a passion project. So it kind of fluctuates on, on when I get stuff out, but I, I try to keep a pretty regular schedule on, on keeping things entertaining and covering a, a wide swath of muzzleloading from the uh, contemporary original stuff up to some of the modern hot rod stuff that people are doing today. Awesome. Well, I had a, a we had a pleasure uh, having you on. I, ton, I got a ton of value from the videos that you had on YouTube, and I uh, hope you keep keep going with it because uh, they're really great stuff for the guys like me who have been into shooting for a long time, but just getting back into that traditional muzzle loading. 
great, great info out there. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. I'm always happy to get out and talk about muzzleloading. Awesome. Thanks for coming <laughs> oh, on, Ethan. You love it. Thanks, Ethan. Thank you. Thanks, Ethan. Yep. Thanks, right. Ethan. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Ethan. Uh, really interesting topic. I think the guys, well, I think I need to get a muzzleloader now. So. I need to get, you know, that whole peer pressure. Remember when we were talking about <laughs> We're all hanging around. <laughs> going, oh, gee, everybody who's got a muzzleloader, put your hand up. Oh, it's not Kelly. I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm not part Loser. of the gang anymore. I need to go and get a muzzleloader. Okay. Uh, let's get into listener feedback. Uh, anything on Facebook? We haven't really, hasn't been really anything bad. Derek Butts uh, said 118 days in Ontario for transfers, so that is balls. Okay. Mike Moore said my gun's probably a 36 cal, common size for smaller rifles, and that was it. Awesome. Mark said that uh, he just picked up a CVA stag horn magnum from a friend this week, 50 cal, one in 32 twist. So you could probably run those fatter projectiles in there mm. and made in Spain. Uh, these traditions rifles are also made in Spain. A uh, little knowledge oh, about muzzle loaders, but I'm excited to see what it does. Yeah, so hopefully we found the main topic. Uh, I think he was really—he was well, really well spoken, and he yeah. was also yeah. as as you can tell, he's really passionate about it. So mm-hmm. it's fun talking awesome. to anybody who's passionate about anything, especially guns, because gun people are the best people. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 It's not so fun talking to people who are passionate about elevators or things like that, but guns are good. You know, I've always noticed that it is, it is actually interesting if somebody's really, really passionate about no. something. Yeah. You know, yes. They'll be no. like, no, in 1954, they changed the pattern on the buttons. You're like, that's amazing. No. <laughs> <laughs> you bigot. <laughs> Never pictured you for an elevator, bigot, Kelly. <laughs> oh, elevators are fun. They're they're nice, but oh, see, see, you're getting into it now, and you're like, well, maybe I would like to hear about elevators a little more. I know. Never mind. Okay. When did they get rid of the thirteenth floor? That's a good question. That's Never. a superstition. It is. Although I wasn't, well, I know a, I wasn't why, but when it has no thirteenth floor. I, okay, <laughs> if you seriously know when they got rid of the thirteenth floor, oh dear. When you, <laughs> you've asked? No, us, I, I'm I, out. I was asking you. I have no idea. I have no what? idea. Okay. Well, while we're going through, this is a whole other kettle of fish, guys. Come on. Yes. <laughs> while we're while we're reading the email from Mark, who's one of our regular listeners. By the way, this is one of the best emails that we've ever received. So Mark's on tonight as well. He's listening. So Adriel is going to read it because he gets the big emails. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle, you're going to go and Google when they get rid of the, when they got rid of the 13th floor. Ah. Okay. I'm already Googling it. Okay. Take it away, Adriel. Hey, Slamfire gang. I wanted to share with everyone how my opening day played out. I'll start with a little backstory before I begin. Last August, I did my classes to get my restricted, non-restricted, and Hunter's Ed. That started my very expensive hobby and lifestyle I know today. (laughs) Itching to fill my first tag, I got out with my bow today for deer season opener with bow. Woke up at 4.30 a.m. and followed all the tips and advice from fellow hunters I spoke with. Showered, scent blocker, body wash, and swiped on scent blocker, antiperspirant. Got dressed, jumped in the truck, and headed out to my spot, skipping the Timmies on the way because I didn't want to worry about peeing in my tree stand. 
uh, from the coffee, I'd imagine. You're up high, so <laughs> down. Why is that? <clears throat> After stripping down outside my truck into my scent-free camo clothes, I tiptoed through the bush, thinking one broken branch might spoil my day. After climbing up to my spot and all set up, I stared into the complete dark darkness, wondering what I do until the sun comes up. Can't scroll through Facebook or check ammo stock online. I don't want my potential deer seeing my ugly mug all lit up. So I sat there and waited for the light, wondering if these deer could smell me or my slow-release flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the sun is creeping through the trees, and uh, I can the woods come to life with movement around me. 7.30 a.m., I see this doe slowly wandering through the bush, making its way towards me. I thought that I can't be this lucky to have a doe. I was after right uh, walking towards me. I picked up the crossbow and hold her to get uh, hold up to get her in my crosshairs. As slowly walked closer to me, my arms started to get tired and burn holding this damn crossbow. Finally, getting into my ideal range, I took the shot and successfully hit her. As expected, she takes off into the brush, and I sit in my tree stand, taking in the adrenaline rush. Being my first year hunting, I called for a friend to help me take care of the deer. Once he showed up, we began following the blood trail to see where she ended up. Walked through the brush, my crossbow was getting hung up on the branches, so I set it down against a tree stump, thinking I'd be able to find it later on. <laughs> After wrestling with tree branches and vines, we finally found her about 300 yards from where I shot her. Ecstatic to find my uh, first deer, I wanted to take some photos like everyone else uh, does. Uh, and that's when my search for the crossbow began. I confidently <laughs> put that crossbow down, thinking I'd find it no problem. Little did I know, I'd spend more time searching for the crossbow than for the deer itself. Well, they're camouflage, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After finally finding the crossbow, I got to dressing the deer with my friend. Thank God he came, because it would have been pretty hard to pause and play YouTube tutorials on the process as you went on. <laughs> Needless to say, I learned many things today on my hunt that will definitely benefit me the next time I go uh, around, like not leaving a camo painted crossbow against the tree <laughs> in the bush. Cheers. Mark. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Okay. Mark. Well so this done. is yeah. the first time he's gone out hunting on bow season and he gets a he gets a or crossbow and he gets a deer. So congratulations. He must have done his scouting. He must have done like everything else. Well done. I hate you, but well done. He was talking. He sent us an email. It was an email or a message last week where we was talking about he'd been uh, shooting his rifle and pistols all summer. And then he picked up his crossbow just to try it. And he says there was a huge flint. I think he was. I think he's fine. He got his deer. I think you're fine. (laughs) So congratulations, Mark, on your first hunt yes. and your first successful hunt that was awesome well, he also uh, sent a picture in didn't he yes he did mm-hmm. i wonder if he'd be okay with us if we are if we used it as part of the show so i think so I think so think? sent it yeah i'm thinking he would be wouldn't have sent it or we'll put it well, why don't we put it up on our social media well, or just do it like that there okay. nice this is a picture yeah and he says go ahead nice thanks mark Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Oh, he's in there. It's got camo. It looks warm. He doesn't look like yeah. he's frozen out there. Yeah. Different kind of hunting. Yeah. Well done, Mark. Yeah. 
And awesome. well done with reading it, Adriel. It sounded like you were reading it like the night before Christmas. It was awesome. I was trying to give it some, like, you know, stirring, not even the crossbow because it was lost in the woods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah mm. put um, a helpful hand just put a little bit of uh trail tape on it or don't we'll put it down it. or don't put it down but it's hard to sling. Yeah. yeah that's true too okay yeah, a sling. yeah well yeah it's like leaving putting down your bag and leaving your bag i uh oh, i no. left this bag sitting against a tree a couple of years ago and then went for like a half an hour wander in the woods that i wasn't aware of where <laughs> i was in the woods and luckily i managed to get myself back to the bag but uh it took, wow. took me a bit to find it because yeah it blends in yep. yeah okay all right don't forget we're gonna actually do a couple more things but don't forget uh, if you go onto our website go to there's a cabela's link so if you do are thinking about going and getting some stuff for cabela's uh, just click on the link and order the stuff and it'll give us a little bit of uh, money. But not only that, it tracks your sale. And then once a month or so, we're going to tell everybody what people have been buying. And yeah, yeah we'd like to do that. So we're going to do that soon at some point. Okay. Uh, YouTube. When, this, when these go back on sale, if you need like a guest set for emuffs, wait until the thinking. Wild Wednesdays and then buy that. Buy yeah. one of these things. They're cheap. Gonna, 35 bucks. I'm going to buy a couple pairs of those. So that's a good idea. I had some Walker razors too, and those were my loaners, but somebody walked off with them. They walked. So. Well, they are walkers. Mm. This is true. <laughs> don't know where they went. So, okay. Uh, why don't we read YouTube comments? Um, Kyle, I'll read, read, read those. Okay, Dave, you read yeah, those. I'll read. I'm helping. Thank you. <laughs> From Jose V. First look at the Norinco Olympia. Hello, sir, the hunting gear guy. You've oh, been, you've been that's nice. very formal. Yeah. <laughs> sir. He was dead. Oh, anyway. He is I sir. also ordered my TT Olympia at Marstar Canada. Payam Pam, Pam is the person who contacted me with regards to my purchase. Can't wait to see this good looking little 22 LR pistol. Mm. When are you going to make a review slash shooting of this little 22 LR? Regardless, I regards, I always watch your videos. Oh, Aww. nice. Nice. Jose. Yeah. Thanks, so, okay. when are you going to do a video of that one there, Mr. I, don't know, I got it out. Hunting uh, your sir, guy, sir. 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, got, I, I had it out at the range. Uh, accuracy seemed good. Uh, loading the mags didn't seem good. Uh, I want to like tune the mags first before I get that video up because if I'm having the issue, probably everyone else is. So, yeah. I want to show mm. people how to fix the issue. Does it have an rip angle to get them in, or what's the issue? Uh, just loading them. It's got us the rather than the spring being like the full length of the, the magazine, it's just in the front little bit and it's a round spring. Oh. It's stupid. So um, there's there has to be a fix with filing the inside. I just haven't done it yet. I want to do that for my review so that I can show people how to fix that. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, you still going to take on the next one there, Dave? I, I will continue. Thank you. From Alan L. Gerson MC312 review and deep dive. Ghost load feature or lack of may my my maybe a waterfowl hunting issue. Maximum of three shells. Mm. I think for yeah. a waterfowl, like it's normal to have two in the tube and one in the chamber and not just don't ghost load. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you only have three. He's yeah. saying without the ghost load feature, it might be an issue, but no, you have you can put the two in the tube and one in the chamber and the Gersan actually 
you can ghost load it without modification. I think what he's saying is like yeah. maybe that's an issue because you could put four in there because you could put two in the tube, mm. one in the lift or one in the chamber, but they don't count that for waterfowling. Just don't do mm. it. Like yeah. you have two in the tube, one in the one in the chamber. Just yeah. don't go slow. It's load. not a normal practice outside of competition. I bet you if you ask most conservation officers what a ghost load is, they wouldn't even be able to tell you. I think if you um, if the fish cops showed up and you started racking your shotgun and four shells came out, oh, uh, you'd absolutely. have some explaining to do. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Not worth yeah. it. So just don't ghost load it. But like block, block it for two in the tube, but just don't ghost load yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. All right, next one, Dave. From Happy Face, first link at Norinco CF98. Canada import ban soon and possible gun freeze, so y'all don't need to buy these anymore. Yep. Mm. That was the reason why I talked about that, because yeah. if anyone wanted to buy them. Now you can't. They're all gone. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So go on out and check out those videos, and you can see what everybody else is talking about, too. Yeah, all right. I'm sad. Screw you, happy face. Miserable yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do it. No. Oh. Okay. Uh, Patreonies, thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, we did have a list here, but it's gone, so we won't be reading those today. But if you'd like to support the show, go on over to patreon.com and look up Slamfire Radio. And oh. what? Speaking of Patreonies, I wanted to just say hi to Chris. I ran into him at the CQC match, and he had not received a patch yet, although maybe he hadn't hounded Adriel. I don't know. But I gave him one that I had stuck on my Oh, guy. nice. Ah, thank you, oh, No, I need more because I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I yeah. got a ton. Hmm. Okay. All right. Shoutouts. Why don't we get into some shoutouts there? Adriel, do you have any? Oh, I would be giving one to Dave for picking up your slack and just saying. Thank you for picking up my slack, Dave. <laughs> okay. Well, Chris is happy and that's all I care about. So you're welcome. Okay. Uh, Kyle. Uh, yeah, I got a few. Uh, shout out Steve-O and everybody else who had a hand in making the team match happen and making it a huge success. All the shooters that showed up. Shout out to my partner, Colin, for being stand up and you know Paul and I it's been a few years since we shot together we were able to do it again so awesome and a huge shout out to Crystal she Yay. had a little bit of a rough time on Saturday but she stuck in there and completed her first ever match so I was going to give her a shout out too but you, you I think you're her husband I think you get rights to give her a shout out <laughs> it's fine fine um yeah dave if you liked it you should have put a ring on it kelly sorry <laughs> dave do you have any shout outs you guys it's been a fun evening uh we've missed you, so. missed you thank you try and be on on a more regular basis going forward we'd love to have you on yay yeah okay i'm kelly. gonna give you a what kelly you get yes. shout outs I do. I have a couple. So I have a, one for Derek. Derek's one of our listeners. He's actually on tonight too. Just want to give him a shout out. He was here in Kingston a couple of weeks ago with uh, some of the some of his workmates. Dropped by the Trap and Skeet Club and they shot around a skeet. And uh, yeah, it was nice to see him and everybody. So he's welcome out anytime. So 
I also, I forgot, I did do some gunny things this past weekend. I went to a wedding of one of all of our favorite people, Lori Lynn and Robert. They got married on Friday night. And so all the CCFR people were there. And then one of the CCFR people, but he's actually one of the Maple Seed people too. So Mario, one of the directors, he went to the wedding. And then I spent part of my day on Saturday with him. And it was great to see him. So Mario is one of the founding directors for Project Maple Seed. And when um, when Dave was talking about not seeing people in like two, two and a half years, I haven't seen Maria in about two, two and a half years. So it was great to see him. And he's going to be at the Stitzville range for the Maple Seed. Awesome. And so it's going to be great. Yeah. So I'm super excited to see him and his wife, Sue, who's fabulous. So, yeah. Um, Let's sign up. So go on over to Gun Owners of Canada. I am not sure. Hey, Kyle, have you been updating it? Because I haven't yes. been. Awesome. Yes. See? We pick, we pick up each other's slack, so it's wonderful. So uh, go on over there. Say hi to Kyle, because he's the guy that's posting <laughs> over there. Uh, <laughs> give us a like on Facebook. Also, give us a review on Facebook, too, and we'll read it here. And you can also give us a review, obviously, on uh, YouTube or any of the other forums, too. We'll read it out. Uh, go join the CCFR, especially now that we know that there's dates coming up, because they need all of our money so that we can keep our guns. Yeah. And you know what? See you next week. Night, everybody. What's what's Night. San Diego? What's <laughs> why, why does it say this in the show notes? Randomly in the show notes and log out. It says F U. I feel like the odd man out here, man. Um. <laughs> I'm definitely not, not the odd. What does man that mean? Out. It means I have to go get something right, muscle or coffee. 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 S and coffee. In it. Yeah. Do you need and coffee too? You're a revolver. <laughs> I have a story on that. Oh, oh really? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk story. about it now or do you want to talk about it later? Sure. My dad already knows I'm pissed at him. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. My dad had heart, two uh, competition muzzleloader pistols with like 18 inch barrels. And this is before he owned any other pistol. And when they moved to Grand Prairie, he uh, didn't want to deal with the hassle, so he yeah. surrendered them when oh. he moved up here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. not even yeah. sold, <laughs> surrendered. Oh. Your family shame. Yeah, you, you, how are you? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When I Did found he... out, we were sitting at lunch and I just. Oh. Hey, therapy. I need Do therapy. I, need... I always need therapy, but no one. <laughs> Seems to help. So, <laughs> all right. Well, do you feel better about telling your friends who can empathize? I do. Okay, then that that's therapy. That helps. Everybody, I don't know. Send Kyle a hug or something. I don't know what you need to get over that. Like, that uh, was a f- number of years ago. I'm pretty much over it, but I love no, throwing that jab. No, I know he listens to the show, so I love throwing that jab in him every once in a while. <laughs> you're not over it because you just brought it up again. So, <laughs> still buried deep. It doesn't down sting as bad anymore. Okay, I'll. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, if you turned it into the police back in the day, the chances are you're just- they're still around. Collection. Okay. <laughs> Not saying that it's all right. It is probably in somebody's because I would think so. Yeah. One of those cops took it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yep. Okay. Why don't we get into the show then?
Ready? Okay. Hi, Kelly. Hi, You're David. Awake? It's great. Yeah, it's great to have I'm you awake. on the show tonight. Yeah, I'm awake. I'm Barely. Even Plus, the I got to show off my muzzle loader. I yeah. know. I didn't know you had one. Awesome. I didn't know he had one either. As I said, I felt like the odd man out. So I was doing paperwork for the show. <laughs> we were talking. I was listening. It was interesting. Like you're on your phone. It's like uh, Kelly's and, and, bored. Well, I, <laughs> no, I was texting with uh, Rick Woods, and I was always oh, yeah. listening. And I was setting Hi, things up. And we're going to have a couple of shows. And, right. nice. Okay, let's. Why don't we get into the show? So, so if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.